listening to The Good Fight, where campus meets Christ. Hey all, I am Grace Lita Gonzalez. And I am Timothy Kinneman. And today on The Good Fight, we're discussing the concept of kindness. We have called this episode, again, in a, a nice fair bit of humor. Always took us like 30 minutes to come up with it. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe maybe we'll reach a point where we have no more humor in our titles because we've just used up all our storehouses. But while we still have that humor, uh, we've called this one a kind of attitude. So you can you can see that uh, double use again with the kind as we did with peace. And we're calling it that um, number one because kindness um, is a kind of attitude. Um, it's a it's a it's a state of your heart um, towards other people that we would say is non-transactional and it's it's generous. So it's like giving to others um, without the expectation of receiving, and it is kind. Oh, I wonder why that might be. It's very fancy. I think when we were we were kind of having. A little bit of trouble at first when we were talking about kindness of coming up with the last I guess the moment in our lives when we were really thinking at first this is just an at first right. like when was the last time we weren't kind and we both thought it was kind of funny because kindness is such an important part of our lives like you you notice it when someone's not kind to you mm-hmm. and that doesn't always mean you remember I think both of us agreed that we have pretty bad memories and terrible so, memories in general like we don't suffer from having like recalling every moment that someone's been unkind to us but like when it happens you definitely notice and you're impacted by it Mm -hmm. well Um, and i think one of the reasons why maybe and this is off on a tangent for sure um (laughs) one of the reasons i don't think particularly we remember many instances of people being unkind to us is because we've we've forgiven it and so you know we don't bear that grudge and so it's not you know this heavy burden that we bury that we carry around with us all the times some people out there, I'm sure, um, are not so forgiving. And so they do carry that burden of you were unkind to yeah. me. Well, yeah, I think actually literally in just saying that, I had something come to mind from like two weeks ago. So I clearly, I mean, like still suffer from it. Um, obviously, maybe using suffering as a word implies a whole lot about my perspective on on it. But um because literally just in you mentioning that I was recalled something from like something it said so someone had said something to me like two weeks ago and being hurt by it mm. and I was like whoa actually no I'm still still struggling with that one which I think is funny because let me tell you like literally 20 minutes ago I did not like I could not come up with that but then just like if I'm actually intentionally digging through my mm. mind to like come up with ways that like someone has hurt me by being unkind it popped right in so this is, this is, we're still on this tangent here, but... Do we need to turn this into a counseling session? I think, no, it's fine. I have my own uh, counseling sessions on the side with uh, Stan, if you guys know him. He's wonderful. Anyway, but I think, no, I think it is funny that, like, if we if I had talked to you two weeks ago, that would have come in my mind, like, in mm. a split second. Like, it would have been in there. Like, it was just very all-encompassing of my life. Or not my, I mean, like, I was just thinking about it a lot because I was really hurt, right? So, when someone says something that hurts you, it sticks around and you, like, think about it for a while. But the fact that two weeks later, I couldn't come up with it right away, I think that says a lot about kind of You've come a long way. Thank you. I've grown in many ways. Or we can just say that, like, God's working in my heart. Um, but in all of that to say, there are definitely ways that I've done the exact same thing to other people mm-hmm. and said things that are incredibly hurtful or just, like, not acting in a loving way. And I think we both felt this, that having siblings, well, you have siblings, I have I, a sibling. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless, being in that sort of relationship with someone, we hurt them a lot and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made me recall, literally, it wasn't that long ago. It's been, like, actually a conversation my sister and I have had a bunch over the past maybe two years, basically, since she went to college. Um, is basically just like how much we take each other for granted and like the love that each other that we have for one another and about I think it was about a year ago now maybe a little less I was visiting her up in Boston where she goes to school and we were walking along the Charles River Charles River sorry and we literally just like spent an hour crying and like saying sorry and asking for forgiveness for like how awful we had kind of been to each other unintentionally over the year before just because when you know that someone loves you and will love you no matter what, 
it's very easy to kind of take their love for granted. Mm. And so that meant on my side being very like dismissive and saying things like that were like kind of mean and on her end, like just not talking to me um, when she was super busy or just like not really ever, like when she was calling me being very distracted. And so um, both of us were not acting. I think there are plenty of other things that we talked about, but I just can't recall them right now. Give me like 30 minutes. Um, But in having that, like in talking about that, it's like, wow, we're pretty sinful, I think is the yeah, conclusion. And I think, especially in the context of context of siblings, I mean, I have three times the number of siblings as you do. It's true. <laughs> I, have, I have three siblings, one, one younger, two older. And thinking about our relationships now that we aren't spending all that time together, um, I think it's actually been a lot smoother um, when you have that many children when we were younger children uh in in close proximity it's very easy Mm -hmm. for tensions to get high for attitudes to get high and then for unkind things to come out of our mouths to come out of our fists uh to come out of our you know just any actions that we have towards each other but then when we came back um during the coronavirus because we had to you know all of us Three of us now are in college. Mm-hmm. My sister is in high school yet. Um, but then coming back into one house together was kind of a struggle at, at some points yeah. because we had grown so used to being like independence, right? Being mm-hmm. being more than an arm's distance away, yeah. um, and kind of regulating our interactions so that we don't get fed up with each other, which is yeah. easy to do, and so. The first month was okay, um, <laughs> but after a few months, the relationships really started to to drag, I think, a little bit more, and we were a little bit more unkind with each other because we were just, I don't know, tired. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I think you can kind of, I think everyone really, everyone who has siblings definitely relates to that. Well, and um, I, with parents too, I oh, can think for, of yeah. times uh, when we were home when I, I was very unkind to my parents too. Um, and I think it's part of it is that process of becoming independent. And sometimes you think you're more independent than Mm -hmm. you should be. And so you're ungrateful even for all of the hard work that your parents have put into putting your life where it is. Yeah. And I think we can see it just generally. And like, I think one of my least favorite things about watching the news or like reading the news is there is the, the like the headliner article is always something in which someone's been unkind. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously that's what makes news, right? You're not gonna, I mean, okay, occasionally there are like the feel good stories and I actually really like those because I'm like, oh yeah, I, I don't know. It's nice to have a change on your feed. Right. Um, but in general, like things that make news are things that are like, I mean, bad, like they're things that you don't want happening. And mm-hmm. so it's noticeable. And so um, it becomes news. I think right now there's, especially with like, the upcoming election, there's a lot of political conversations that are occurring. Um, and both within the church and outside of the church, the, a lot of those are not coming from a place of, like a lot of the conversations are very harsh towards I, one another. I would say most, I think. That's true. It's an exception when you're having a civil political dialogue. One of the sure. trends, I think, of political discourse in the last decades has been a decline in civility um, where I think it's very hard to find people Mm -hmm. who disagree agreeably. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. I think if you're listening to like, actually, I think this isn't just politics. I was just thinking about, um, so one of the things that I really enjoy sometimes in my spare time, although I haven't done it in a while because normally I do it when I'm folding laundry, is um, like in my dorm for context, I still fold laundry, but is listening to like debates between actually primarily, I mean, I really enjoy it between Christians, but, um, like different theological points, but then Mm -hmm. also there are a bunch of them that are, um, within like, uh, like a Christian versus an atheist or Christian versus a Mormon or whatever, like breaking it down, um, and having discussions and, they're, they vary. So some of them are pretty civilized. Some of them are clear that like the same two people have been debating each other for the entirety of their like life, not actually the entirety of their life, but like their entirety of their academic or right. um, pastoral like 
ship. Um, and so those are pretty civilized and it's really wonderful to listen to because they're clearly like, oh no, the other person loves God. And like, we're coming from the same place, but mm -hmm. we just disagree on this. But then there are others where they are so harsh and they're like, the other person's not even like, they just get their very much character attacks from the baseline. And it's hard to listen to them. Like I genuinely struggle to listen when you're trying to kind of, especially when you come in without knowledge on a topic and mm -hmm. you want to learn through a debate. It's really hard to learn when either you feel attacked or you just like can't muddle, like you can't weed your way through what's an attack, like what's a, a like actually a strong argument mm -hmm. versus what is just a character attack or something similar. Yeah. And I think, I mean, speaking for ourselves, but certainly I believe these are all trends that anybody can recognize. But whether, I mean, trends in the political aspect, I think that's a trend. But in general as well, um, just the experience of people being unkind to each other, right. people being unkind to you. It's a universal experience. It's part of kind of having a life, being a human. It's like you're going to experience unkindness. Certainly. And I think given that it's so prevalent in our lives, I think it's fair to say that um, anybody in the audience too has mm -hmm. certainly had that experience of well, I think particularly today what we're going to talk about is themselves being unkind. I think, you know, if we all thought hard enough, um, as, you know, we spent 30 minutes trying to find something, but, you know, if we all thought hard enough, I'm sure we could think of times, maybe not specific instances in clear detail, but certainly, I mean, we know that we are not perfect. Right. And we, you know, especially anger, I think emotions are one of those things that cause us to be unkind. It's, it's an act. It's when we act out of those emotions mm -hmm. uh, th that we really tend to become less perfect, less good, and we fall into that unkindness. Yeah, I think that actually kind of that reminds me of one of the first things we were talking about when we were talking about kindness, which is kind of the intentionality behind your actions. So mm -hmm. what differentiates kindness from like nicety, being nice, being, a, I don't know, I think you're trying to come up with another synonym, but like synonym, but an enjoyable person to be around. Like what, what, what makes kindness different from niceness? And I think one of the things we were talking about was kind of the intentionality behind your actions. It's like you can do something that's nice for someone else. But you can do it from a place that's not kind. Kind, yeah. And by that, I think we mean you can do something nice, like um, uh, I don't know, help somebody out with a project. Right. Um, but you do it in a transactional way. So you say, okay, well, I'll help you now. With the expectation you'll be helping me later. Right. Yeah. Whereas I think kindness is very much non-transactional mm -hmm. so the intention behind it is never uh, give to get right it's always give without getting um and that that is particularly what i think of kindness as yeah and if we kind of jump to i mean we'll be looking at like the bible and what what kind of kindness is in there mm -hmm. um but jumping to specifically the word that's used in, in Greek in the New Testament section, um, because New Testament written in Greek um, is, is this word Christos. And one of its key components is that it's also used kind of for usefulness. Like it's one of its definitions is usefulness um, or fit for use mm. alongside this idea of like moral goodness and graciousness, which I think is really interesting, especially just given the way we were just talking about it. We seem to recognize that we were saying, uh, we were defining kindness as this intention in an action, right? There's right. this idea that kindness, you're doing it, like it's it's some, you're doing something to be kind. Like you're not just, although you can call someone a kind person, um, in general, kindness is like manifests itself through actions it's, in one life. It's not just the thought that counts. Right. It's like, I can be, I mean, I can like think kind things towards you, quote unquote, but that's not what we're talking, like that's not kindness in the way that we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. Okay, in saying the thought, I think when I use that um, common phrase there, I think I need to qualify that because typically when we say it, it's after we've done something right. that does not end up how right, we right, intended yeah. it. And we say, well, it's the thought that counts. So when there is an action, 
that perhaps doesn't have the consequences that were expected, um, but the intention um, was still to cause good um, without getting anything in return, then mm -hmm. I think that's still kindness. However, when it's just a thought, uh, yeah. like, oh, I thought about doing something nice for you, but I didn't. It's well, like, that's mm, not that kindness. No, what a, yeah, you're not, yeah, not fulfilling the definition here. So in, in kind of expanding our definition of, of kindness, I think one of the first things we should look at is what you do to be mm -hmm. kind. Um, yeah, like what so, is that? Yeah, what are those actions? What are those actions entail? What, what is generosity? Like right. what? <laughs> what is that? Um, and as we looked at, oh, feels like so long ago now. Um, Proverbs is a great place to look for like how to define <laughs> these very basic concepts. So mm -hmm. you know, Proverbs is a book of wisdom, uh, as we spoke a few weeks ago now, and um, really just like common sense scripture yeah easy to it's well easy-ish to read i think anything that gives a strong moral truth or strong truth sometimes hard to wrap your mind around in terms of actually applying it but nice little i think we used the word nuggets before but, nuggets yes um with a little asterisk that says please also remember to read everything else put it in context don't just take it All right. out of context but here we are about to quote a section a little nugget even though the qualifier is Please don't just read little nuggets. <laughs> right. Well, and as you'll see, we'll use other bits and pieces to kind of expand this nugget. But to tell the story. Right. <laughs> Proverbs fourteen twenty one um, says, "It is a sin to despise one's neighbor." So we we talked about sin. Uh, what was it? Last week. Last I think. week. Yeah. So I that's the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The, the coconut, was it? The coconut, yes. Yes. So, you know, coming off of that path of godliness. Um, so it's a sin to despise one's neighbor, but blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. So here we see this um, non-transactional bit, right? Because if you're kind to the needy, well, they have need. They don't have access to right. give you back. Um, but then um, if you look... Further along in Proverbs, you'll see in uh, Proverbs 22, 9, um, it, it talks about sharing food with mm -hmm. the needy. So there's this idea of providing necessary resources, you know, the things that they really need to survive. Yeah. Um, and then Proverbs 28, 8, it's lending money. Mm -hmm. So now it's not necessarily things they need to survive, but it's also just general resources um, and this is again to the needy but then in 31 9 still in proverbs yeah. um, it talks about like defending the rights and the justice of those who are in need as well so it's um, preventing them from being abused um, from being uh, used wrongly uh, unjustly and also this idea i think of protecting them mm -hmm from un well, unkindness as well yeah yeah so it's both an act that you are taking for and then also an act well it's not i don't know how to just like separate those two but define that like it being both something you are doing but then also the stopping of other things if that makes sense yeah so it's it's both of those things so my only question now all right just looking at proverbs <laughs> Can you be kind to someone who has more than you? Right, yeah. I mean, here it looks like, oh, you, you know, you can be kind to the needy because they have need. Um, and there's nothing transactional because, well, they can't give back to you. Yeah. But I feel like we need to expand our population of who <laughs> you can be kind to. Yeah, let's do it. Do we want to jump over to Luke 10? 25 to 37. I think we've I think got a we good story to. there. It's right? a great story. Yeah. So maybe before we jump in, Luke, one of the gospels, I don't think we've read from Luke yet, have we? No, we've read um, from, oh, maybe we did read from Luke. We've, we've read from, did we, uh, we've read from Matthew. Matthew. Yeah. I think we read from one other, but I don't remember. John? Maybe it was John. I feel like it's John, but that might also be because John's like, you know, more like 
it's separate in terms of the the four gospels um so just summary matthew mark luke and john this would be the third one um written by luke what um and it's his gospel account so it's his is to define gospel it's his kind of account of it's his first hand account of jesus's life and testimony yes i think that's a good way of putting it um and so what we're going to go jump to now so i think we mentioned it before but just to reiterate um if you have a bible feel free to flip there if you don't have a bible google it i don't know if you're driving do not google it eyes on the road um but luke 10 25 to 37 and if you if you have a bible open um that has like the the subheadings Mm, yes you'll see right away the parable of the good samaritan or something to that effect you know the good samaritan i think this is a very often quoted section of the bible an often quoted parable yeah i think people i mean even if you aren't raised in the church i think people have heard about it at least or they've heard the expression they've heard the to, expression to be, yes, a good to be a good samaritan yeah there's a um also a um a humanitarian organization called the oh, good samaritan yes yeah so it's very prevalent in society what this this, this parable section yeah. of scripture is about so i think if you want to just read maybe through 29 yeah sure so on one occasion an expert in the law stood up to test jesus teacher he asked what must i do to inherit eternal life what is written in the law he replied how do you read it he answered love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself you have answered correctly jesus said do this and you will live but he wanted to justify himself so he asked jesus and who is my neighbor? So here I think we see an expansion mm-hmm. of kindness. Now it's not just to the needy, well, it's to the neighbor. And as we'll get into uh, through the parable is, well, who is your neighbor? But um, just to like uh, really dive deep into what this expert in the law is saying. So obviously we're talking about Jewish society right here in the very early first century yeah um and so an expert in the law would be somebody who is trained by the uh i don't know the jewish ruling elites (laughs) in what the scripture says so they've been educated in everything that the the old testament is Mm -hmm. so we've talked about that difference between the old and new testament and the old testament is all of the literature that the jews would have Maybe they had more. I don't think so, though. I don't know. More than? More than what we have well, in the Old Testament. Well, minus, I guess, in addition, they have the apocryphal, like apocryphal texts. Yeah. But, but, I don't, but those aren't considered. I don't know if those were actually part of the No, they're not. The canon. Um, they were separate. I mean, they the were, Jewish, those were all the written Jewish canon in, in the, the time. 400 years, I believe, between the last book of the Old Testament and the New Testament. So a lot of those are regional, mm. um, like regional uh I don't want to call them, I mean, there are stories, but regional stories, basically, that I don't think, no, they weren't, I know for certain, because, well, within the Christian church, there's kind of a big debate with whether, whether certain apocryphal texts. But we can disagree and be kind be. about it. Exactly. Oh, this is the point of the whole thing. Um, but yes, all of that to say no. But <laughs> Okay. So, yes. well, part of me wonders if you know, in all of time we've lost some of that, but I don't know. That's something to ask somebody who knows more than we do. And I don't so, know, I feel like tradition is so strong, though. Yeah. They wouldn't have... Like, just the fact that we have apocryphal texts... Apocryphal. Oh my goodness, that's a hard word to pronounce. Um, but, like, a lot of those are were regional. Um, as in, like, they only kind of appeared in certain hmm. areas. And so, the fact that they still exist and have been carried through despite the fact that they were not necessarily held by all, I think speaks volumes to... The strength of tradition. The strength of tradition. And that's what we're... That's really what you're getting at with an expert in the law is really somebody who's just steeped in this tradition yeah. to the point where they they have like memorized everything that you can imagine. And so that's what he says um, in response to Jesus' question. He's quoting scripture. Um, and so, you know, the love of the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind. That's a topic for another day. What I think we're focusing on today is love your neighbor as yourself, Mm -hmm. this idea of kindness to your neighbor. And that comes from 
uh, Leviticus. Uh, I don't remember the, the gloss. 19? Did I say 19? See, I just wrote down Leviticus oh. is the source. Okay. So that's not helpful for either of us. We'll put it in the description <laughs> so that you can find it on your own if, if you're curious about that kind of thing. But it is it is in there, um, and we verified that it mm-hmm. is. So, but that doesn't explain either what who your neighbor is. Yeah. Um, so who is your neighbor? Well, your neighbor is everyone. But well, we can shall we continue? In the yes. Story? How about how about I read? I'll read some. So Jesus asks, and who is my neighbor? Oh, no, 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 no. Sorry. I misread this. So the expert gets this answer. You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. All right. But he's still confused because he wants to know now who he has to be, who he has to show love to, who he has to be kind to in order to live, as Jesus says. So he asks, who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, this is starting in in verse 30, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So I think there are a lot of things to break down in that passage for, I mean, even just for us, but for anyone, especially because there's so much context behind this. Mm -hmm. Um, I think kind of one of the first things to think about is like, why priest, Levite, and Samaritan? Why are those the three key? Like Jesus is obviously specifically pointing out three people mm-hmm. and you can i think we can presume it's like if someone were to say uh so i'm trying to come up with a good example but like and uh like a a politician walked by like we immediately in thinking in hearing the word politicians kind of generic we, title we think a bunch of things like there's something we have in our mind we apply a context based on yes. the character so that's going on here too mm-hmm. with a priest a levite and a samaritan and i think yeah. a priest is an easy one to get a concept of because we still have in our modern culture this idea of priests being the ones who are righteous you know they're the ones who have been steeped in religion whatever religion that may be and there's like a clear distinction in role and action of a priest versus Mm -hmm. someone else and so you know when jesus says the priest walked by on the other side you know this is somebody who is morally righteous yeah in the eyes of the religion. So in this case, the Jewish religion, this is somebody who is like very, um, somebody who you would expect to be kind. Right. If that's what's in the law. And so he, um, well, first of all, I think we should assume that the man who is going down, who gets attacked by robbers and beaten is a Jew. Yeah, it's that's not kind just of, like, that's being implied right. in It's not the just a, a random person. And so the priest, right, somebody of same uh, ethnic origin mm-hmm. who is now like the morally superior guy yeah. completely avoids who in this case is the needy one, as we saw in Proverbs. And then the Levite. Yeah, so a Levite would be, I mean, one of a member of... Uh, the tribe of Levi. Mm -hmm. And the important thing to note about the tribe of Levi is that they are set apart by God, um, basically to provide like assistance to priests. And I think within certain families, I think they are priests. I think that's correct. Um, For so like worship in the temple. Um, And so they are very distinct in role. And the fact that 
one, they're the only tribe, I believe, that's split up between other tribes because they're the ones who perform Mm -hmm. um, a lot of sacred, I mean, uh, what would you call it? Like sacred blank actions, dedications towards God, like all of the sacrifices Mm -hmm. towards God cannot be performed without the leavings. Right. Right. And so they, they have a very distinct role in, in, in society, um, of being required, um, like, yeah, I guess being required in order to seek God, Mm -hmm. um, or yeah. And so that's kind of alongside a priest. It's kind of like not necessarily one step down, but a priest presumably would be a Levite. Mm-hmm. Um, and so using the term Levite is a little bit more general. We don't know their exact role, but there's still someone who is distinctly set apart by God. Mm-hmm. Um, and are also will have grown up in the tradi- like in the tradition um, to know scripture well. Mm-hmm. And so once again, you have a member who's being clearly pointed out who doesn't it's like if someone not in quite the same but it's like if someone said oh and then the christian walked by yeah and be like where it's like they've clearly they're clearly because it's like christian now is obviously it's not a um uh like you're not born a christian Mm -hmm. right it's a choice or at least if you're defining yourself as a christian so there's this element of um kind of to a certain extent, I'm trying to think of the right way of phrasing it, but like, it's not moral superiority because that's, that's not what I'm like, that's not what I want to get to. But it's like, what's expected. Yeah. Like you're expected to be based on the character of, of... The, at least the knowledge is there. Like there's a known idea that the knowledge is there, the knowledge mm-hmm. of what the law says about being kind. Yeah. Um, and so once again, you have a Levite who came to the place, saw him and was like, oh, just that's not like too busy i don't know i don't know what his rationale was don't have the time don't really care i don't want to stop and mm-hmm. be mugged myself like I'm just gonna keep walking um and then you have a samaritan and the samaritan is it's really the um what is that peripatia is that the word it's like the unexpected reversal mm, yeah um because a samaritan compared to a jew um at, at this time in history, there was open hostility between yeah. the two peoples. And that was mostly because the Jews looked down on Samaritans as kind of half, half breeds. They right. thought they were like, um, they were um, half Jew, half Gentile. So Gentiles are non-Jews. And so they're kind of in this middle ground of um, being Jewish, but not actually being Jews. Mm-hmm. But then also... Along with that comes this idea of spiritual degeneracy, um, where, you know, because they're kind of this mix, they're very much, um, like, wrong just in their existence. Yeah, and I think there's also a level of, like, defilement, right? It's Mm -hmm. kind of tied in. Um, In the Old Testament, a lot of laws are very strict about kind of keeping jews apart like as a distinct peoples of god and so you have this idea that any what what happens which is intermarrying between jews and what we call gentiles but basically jews and non-jews um and as a result you do have it also i mean there's a lot of history behind this is the breakdown of like the tribes and Mm -hmm. so the split um of tribes and so the samaritans are basically uh by considered by jews like second tier in terms of i mean many different things but Mm -hmm. in in religious contexts they're a second tier um not anyone even call them jews but a second tier like citizen of religious hierarchy i don't know how to best phrase that but um there's a ton of animosity between the two groups um i think in other places in the bible when there's like um there are many stories about kind of Samaritans interactions mostly mm-hmm. because it's so countercultural at that time for like the Samaritan woman. Yes. Jesus talks to the Samaritan mm-hmm. woman at the well. Um, there's a lot of, there's more to talk about there, but one of the key aspects of that point, like of that other story is that one, Jesus went out of his way to walk, like to walk through um, where Samaria, like Samaria mm-hmm. um, in order, like where traditionally, or not necessarily traditionally, but where an, a quote-unquote upstanding Jew would just not even walk through that right. area. They would intentionally take a longer route. Um, or I think maybe it's maybe Jesus took a longer route. I, I don't know. One or the other, long story short, is that um, 
there's animosity to the point that they intentionally would not interact with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to have Jesus say, okay, you have this priest. The priest is like, he knows the law of God, like the word of God right. more than anyone else does. And then you have a Levite who also has been raised in this tradition of knowing the word of God. Both of them turned their backs on a fellow Jew. Mm-hmm. And then you have the Samaritan, the one whom in the audience, like the audience that God or that Jesus is talking to, they're going to hear that and be like, what the Samaritan? Like, it's like dirt on my shoes. Right. I think they very much expect the Samaritan to further beat the guy right. up. You know, oh yeah, exactly. To, to like, rob even further. Mm-hmm. Not only, like, if the other, if if you read, if you hear that, and you hear that, you know, the priest and the Levite, like the good guys, so you come in perceiving them as good guys, and you're like, they walked by, and then you're like, oh, well, if they're the good guys and they walked by, mm-hmm. like, the Samaritan must not just walk by because then we'd be on equal playing fields, and, like we can't have that. No, no, no. Like he must do something further to harm the man but instead instead he does huge role reversal he does the good right Right. he is kind um and we see kind of all those things that we talked about in proverbs Mm -hmm. he um he gives up his money well Well, first of all he provides what is essential for life um you know in proverbs it's food but here i mean he picks him up off the road puts him on his own docky sharing resources Mm -hmm. and kind of gets him out of harm's way and, and takes care of him. Um, what does it say? It says, um, uh, well, he bandaged him. He bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Um, so this idea of healing. And then he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, giving so his own money. The sharing of wealth. Mm-hmm. And he says even further, any expenses that this won't right. cover, let me know, I'll cover it. Right. Um, so very much this idea of sharing the money. Um, to make sure that he's mm-hmm. well taken care of. And then also um, that idea of look after him, I think is very much also tying to that final idea of defending the rights and, and preventing further harm. He's saying, you know, he's putting this further obligation on the innkeeper to say, make sure that nothing further wrong happens to this person. Mm-hmm. Which is huge. Like, think about... Think about whatever group you just really struggle with, like, loving. Mm -hmm. Like, whatever it is that you... I mean, we were talking about earlier kind of this idea that a lot of times unkindness comes from anger. Um, And a lot of times this anger isn't necessarily... Like, you just feel very passionate about something. It can be an injustice that you feel strongly about. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's obviously not bad. But sometimes, because we are imperfect beings, our anger can reach a level in which we're no longer kind to those around us um and so think about whatever group it is it just really bugs you like i don't know who they are i don't know why they bug you so much but like for whatever reason you really struggle with like even thinking kind thoughts about them in general um and maybe if that's too harsh maybe if we don't like to think about ourselves that way just think about someone like maybe someone specific that just rubs you the wrong way when you interact with them and you have a hard time with like imagine that person Mm. being the one who is like loving you who's acting who's like going out of their way to to make sure that you're taken care of like you whatever reason fall in a really bad situation or whether you're in a bad situation right now like it's the person you hate the most or you have the hardest time loving like imagine that person being the one who comes over Mm -hmm. and helps you and that's what jesus is saying like at the very end he says who do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell um into the hands of robbers and the answer is the one who had mercy on him. It's like his sworn enemy, basically. Yeah, the sworn enemy. Is the one who was the neighbor. Which I think is a very interesting way to answer the question of, and who is my neighbor? It is. Because it, it almost reverses the roles. Mm-hmm. Um, very much, you know, I think the the expert in the law is very much saying, who do I need to be a right. neighbor to? And Jesus almost answers, this is who is a neighbor to you. Yeah. Um, which I, I don't know, I think it would be, um, pretty difficult to analyze why he does that right here, but I don't know. Well, I think there's something to be said for the fact that you see, like you, the way that it's framed intentionally allows you to see yourself in both sides, mm. right? Like I can picture myself being the one, I think, I think we almost 
nowadays as Christians like to perceive ourselves as the Samaritan, right? right? We're like, no, we're going to go and love on all like the enemies, all our enemies or all the people we don't like uh, or who don't like us, maybe more specifically. Mm-hmm. When we are just as much like the Jew on the side of the road who's been beaten up. Um, and obviously that's who they would have probably um, like originally have put themselves in the shoe of. Like right. that's, they, they would have more naturally. It's only because time has passed. And this is a parable that we have read so much that we can see ourselves as a Samaritan. Yes. Like when you're first reading it initially as a Jew in that time, you're not going to see yourself as a Samaritan. And I think what that might do is actually say, um, well, if the Samaritan will do it for you, right. In this story, if there's a good Samaritan mm-hmm. hypothetically who will do it for you, then isn't that what you ought to do for them as well? Yeah. Almost a, um, a challenge, I would say, mm-hmm. to the to the Jews of the time to say, well, obviously I could make you the one who's the, the, the good yeah. Jew to the Samaritan. Um, but instead it's saying, um, you don't have to be, you don't have to view yourself as morally superior, right? As mm-hmm. the Jews did to the Samaritans, to be good to be kind. Um, so I, I think there, it, it's still talking in that vein of, um, the, the whole cultural upheaval. Right. Well, yeah. If, if you come into it as someone who feels very strongly, like, no, I'm a Jew, like I'm going to see myself as a Jew in this parable. Mm-hmm. And the question asked initially is like, who is my neighbor? You've come into it, seeing yourself as the man who's been beaten up mm-hmm. And you're like, ah, oh, like the priest, this guy's got to be my neighbor. And then you're like, oh, okay, I guess I'm like, well, that was a little mean. And then you have mm-hmm. a Levite and you're like, no, this guy, this guy will be my neighbor. And it's like, nope. And then you come to the Samaritan and it's like, oh, this, this, like, well, he's not my neighbor, right? Like mm-hmm. he's not. Um, but then what happens is like, no, that one, that guy is your neighbor. Yes. Um, in terms of actions. And so I think this is, and then you come to the conclusion, well, like, well, then who is my neighbor? That I have to love. Who is the one I will love? Who is the one I will love? And I think Jesus' point here is like he's expanding the definition Mm -hmm. by saying that the priest and the Levite are still your neighbor, right? Like they're still – you're coming into this parable already knowing knowing that they're your neighbor. And so this isn't to say that like you should only be kind to those who like will be kind to you. That's not the point of this. The point of this is that like coming into the parable, you're already going to believe that the priest and the Levi are your neighbor. Mm-hmm. So Jesus isn't working on, like he's working off that assumption. What he's doing is exactly what we were talking about earlier, which is like broadening of the assumption of who your neighbor is mm-hmm. to expand your enemy, like to expand to include your enemy. So it's taking the people you already know and then widening that right. to include everyone, including the people you mm-hmm. hate. And I'm glad you put that out because um, I was getting a little worried, right? Because the question we came in asking was, how are we going to expand um, who we are kind to? Mm-hmm. And we said, well, it's more than just who are needy. But in this parable, if you see yourself as the good Samaritan, well, you're still just helping who's needy. But that isn't the point. The point is that um, the the good Samaritan is your neighbor and your neighbor is the one who you love as yourself. Yeah. So the good Samaritan is kind to you, right? So we see that the action of being kind to who is needy. But then when you love the neighbor who is your sworn enemy mm-hmm. as yourself, um, I think that naturally implies this kindness, this non-transactional, generous attitude, just as the Samaritan has towards the Jew in the parable, so too you have towards the Samaritan, whether in need or not. Yeah, and the thing is, I mean, like Jesus ends this this parable by saying, go and do likewise. And I think the command is very clear right there where it's like, let's say, um, who was it who was came in? So the expert in the law came in, right? He's the, he's kind of starting this conversation. Jesus is like, no, you, like you go and do this, Mm -hmm. um, and do likewise. If he's like, he knows that if he is like going to go out and do something or anyone listening knows that if they're Jewish and they're going out, they're not going to be received warmly when if they are loving a Samaritan, right? There's mm-hmm. this natural animosity. Um, and by natural, I just mean like cultural animosity mm-hmm. um, that's ingrained within society. And so they know that like it's not a reciprocal thing. But Jesus is like, by talking about Samaritan, is expanding that mm-hmm. definition to someone who like they would never have naturally thought about as a neighbor. 
right? And I think when we think about how this applies to our own lives, I think that's critical right. um, in thinking about who then do we be kind to? Um, you know, it's not just me being kind to you because right. we're good friends. Um, obviously, I'm going to be kind to you because we are good friends. Thank you. But, Thank you. <laughs> um, but it's also um, being kind to people you disagree with. Right. And I think kind of also to talk about the burden that places on people. I think it's the way that we've been talking about kindness so far. There does seem, I mean, there's like an implied loss of food or money or mm-hmm. um, something be- along being those lines. In need. Right. If you're going to be, if you're giving something to someone who is in need, you're obviously giving something up. Um, but I think it's important to note that like true kindness is going to require, requires more, like it has, it has a greater burden than just kind of giving up monetary possessions or physical possessions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one place that might be interesting to look at is, is well, we can jump to Hebrews first and then over to Acts really quickly. But um, Hebrews 13, 2 to 3, which, well, we can jump, well, let's define Hebrews first. Book of the Bible. Another, it's a New Testament book of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, is it, I think it's one of the later ones written. Um Yeah. A nice little summary I don't, right I don't know much about Hebrews. Um, I don't think we questionable actually... Questionable authorship, I right, believe. Right, it is questionable. It has historically been quote-unquote attributed to Paul, but most people now... Uh, I don't know if people ever really thought it was Paul, but um, that was a justification for including it. There are many theories, I believe. One of them was like a... Because based on... If I'm... This is just going off of memory, but if I remember correctly, it's written very well in terms of like... Um, uh, Jewish legal doctrine. Right, yes, it, it's clearly written by somebody who knows who's the well Jewish edu- culture and who's well educated. Yes, um, and so there have been a bunch of theories about like who it may have been. Right, who and actually wrote it. That's all I think we can say definitively about Hebrews. I don't know if it's worth like inputting our own opinions yeah, into the I big scholarly debates about who actually. I don't wrote have it. an opinion actually, so it'd be hard to put <laughs> put one in there. But yes, Hebrews thirteen two to three. Let's jump right in. Um, and that says. Uh, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers for by so doing some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering yeah so there's a lot kind of obviously we're jumping over from this idea of kindness to hospitality and we didn't entirely explain why mm-hmm. so just to backtrack real quick um, the definition for uh, kindness in the Bible does have connotations of hospitality. Certainly, so one yeah. of the definitions, um, to, uh, it kind of refers to this idea of hospitality. And the reason why that's kind of important to note is because when you first think of hospitality, it's very easy to think about like opening your uh, house for dinners and inviting people in and feeding them. Friends. Uh, people friends, you, people yes. you are yeah, familiar so people, with. So like having a dinner party is like mm-hmm. a very, if you're trying to think of like an idea of like the ideal sense of hospitality, if you will. Um, and here this word is actually, it's a little different. Um, imagining yourself in a jail or in prison mm-hmm. um, and suffering with those who are suffering brings very different connotations to mm-hmm. hospitality. Um, and one example of this is over in Acts. So Acts 9, we actually had a sermon on this this morning, which Certainly, is yeah. why it's been in our brains. Um, but Acts 9, so Acts, uh, basically an account of what the disciples of Jesus were doing after Jesus. Right. It's, it's literally the acts of the apostles. So the yes. things that the apostles did. Exactly. And so here we have kind of, it's just after Acts 9 is just after Saul became a Christian. Um, who we talked about, Saul Paul, we talked yes. about last week or two weeks ago or something like that. And one of the key parts um, is, well, it's kind of long, and I think this we've been going for quite a while, so um, I'll summarize a little bit, is basically Saul as a persecutor of Christians, mm-hmm. and by persecutor I mean like, I think we may have started talking about this, but basically intentionally went out and like, had Christians put to death. That was like, he lived for that, if you will. Um, And then all of a sudden finds God and is like, oh my goodness, JK. (laughs) And obviously, rightfully so, once he becomes a Christian, 
a lot, like other Christians at that time, so other followers of Christ, were like, we don't, we don't really trust him. We don't trust him at all. Like mm-hmm. he is the one he caused a lot of their pain and suffering. Um, but okay, I don't want to just summarize all of it. Um, let's find a good place to read. Um, uh, okay, so we can we can kind of just read maybe the section on hospitality, which is okay. So when so Saul, it's. Acts 9, verse 26 to 30. Um, And so when he, being Saul, came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing he was really a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He he talked and debated with Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea. Caesarea, thank you, and sent him off to Tarsus. Um, So there's a lot here on hospitality and kindness. Mm -hmm. But I think this is a good example of kind of the burdens of kindness. Yeah. Um, the obligation. Right, the obligation. Um, so first you have this idea of, of I mean, there's there's this, a rightful sense of fear among the, dis- like, the disciples, right. right? Like if you hear that the guy who is probably directly responsible for the death of your friends and fellow believers is now like on your side, you're going to be like, is he tricking us? Like, mm. is he coming in to know our circles to slaughter us all? Like, even if you don't think that there's a lot of pain and suffering that he's caused, that is very hard to forgive. Um, but they're kind to him anyway. Mm-hmm. Specifically, I mean, you have Barnabas here directly, but like inviting him into the community. Inviting him, I mean, it says that like so Saul stayed with them. Like he stayed with the people who he had been directly responsible for. And I think that I mean this is that same kind of peripatia, as I said, yeah. that reversal of. Um, roles that we saw in the Good Samaritan, where you have now Saul Paul being that Good Samaritan, mm-hmm. right? Who is completely unexpected. Yeah, and so they're clearly. I mean, they're giving up, and Barnabas is giving up his reputation. I think is the way that our the pastor this morning was talking about mm-hmm. it. Um, but giving up his reputation to, in the sense that, like, if Saul did end up murdering people, like, he would be directly responsible for that, right? right. He would have been like, no, I put my trust in this guy. And, mm-hmm. I'm, he's also responsible. So he's putting down his reputation on the line and saying, no, I believe that Saul has in fact become a Christian. Um, and I'm like, you were willing to trust, like trust him because you trust me. Um, it's the first one. And then later on, when after, like when it became clear that the Hellenistic Jews, which for context are the very people like that Saul had been friends with, like that's, right. that was his original crowd. When he was going about murdering people, those were the guys he was running mm-hmm. with. Um, and now they want to kill him. And what do the believers do? Like the same people he persecuted. They sacrifice. In kindness. They sacrifice their own wealth and possessions, to, which were already pretty meager, mm-hmm. in order to like send him away and provide him. for him, right? Mm-hmm. To p- protect him. So it's like, those are a lot of burdens. Like that's, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think it really puts into perspective, at least for me, my idea of kindness, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like, if I feel burdened by talking to my sister when I'm stressed mm. and I have a hard time being kind towards her in my own stress and have a, like and just be respectful and like loving towards her and talk with her when she comes in how, like how in the world am I ever, like that, that that's that's like barely touching the expectation for what kindness is mm-hmm. like that's ta- like if I if she comes in and I'm stressed and I'm like, oh yeah, I'll take time out of my work to talk to you. That's like, that's like barely kind, if you will, on the spectrum of what kindness mm-hmm. means. Because in contrast, they're being kind by providing for and taking care of the one who directly caused them pain and suffering. Yeah. yeah. It's like, so, that's crazy. That's a radical concept of kindness. It is. Even for, like, it's forever going to be radical. I like, I like that term, applying that radical kindness, I think, is very much what we're talking about here. Um, and so kind of if, if we were to apply everything we've talked about here to our own lives, I think we very much have to ask ourselves um, kind of what 
obligations, what burdens Mm -hmm. are we going to take on, not only for those who we recognize as our friends, who are in our communities, who are close to to us, but also what burdens are we going to take on, what obligations, what, um, what givings are we going to give without the expectation of receiving Mm -hmm. to those who we don't agree with? To the yeah, exactly. to the Samaritans, if we are the Jews, to the um, Sauls, if we are the yeah, to the Sauls, yeah. if we are the Christians, um, and I think that's a very active question that we should always be asking ourselves. Is just number one, it doesn't matter that relationship. Yeah, um, what matters is that the obligation exists, no matter what, um, for you to to give up yourself to be. Um, I mean, as we talked about with with Paul being a servant of Christ Jesus, mm-hmm. it is being a servant kindness. Right. This yeah. radical kindness is truly being a servant to everyone um, in that act of self-sacrifice um, to give up your possessions, to give up your mm-hmm. time, your resources, your your goodwill towards people who you have a natural tendency to dislike. Yeah. It's a lot. That's a lot to think about. It is. Yeah. If it took us 30 minutes to come up with ideas for how we have not been kind or how we have been kind, Mm -hmm. how much longer will it take us to think about the ways we treat, like even subconsciously, the way that we're thinking about... um, people we don't agree with mm-hmm. that was a good good alarm there <laughs> yes my sister was facetiming me she went through my do not disturb she's the only person she's an mm. exception yeah exception to the rule interesting <laughs> <laughs> so obviously we've been going on for a long time here but these are very deep concepts i think we deep said deep. earlier today that we could have, we could make ten episodes on kindness. Oh, not more. So, we should do a long word study. It would take us like ten years. We'd still be on kindness. So consider this a sprinkling of everything there is to know about <laughs> yeah, kindness. Sprinkling, I like that. And and so today, um, you know, the way we've defined kindness is it's a non-transactional. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no getting in return. It's all giving, self-sacrifice. Um, non-transactional, generous attitude um, towards others. And it's regardless of your relationship to them, you know, whether you're friends or enemies, you have that obligation to take on their burdens um, and to give yourself up out of kindness. Yeah, so we, so we went through kind of what the, word ki- what the word kindness means in the Bible, like what are all the implications of it? So kind of covering this idea of usefulness, um, also this idea of hospitality and then also like moral goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, and then looking through kind of how Proverbs defines what it looks like, what like you know, actions you take. So the sharing of food, lending of money and defending of rights and justice. And then spend a lot of time lot. on the Good Samaritan. Could have kept going mm-hmm. um, about what is that like, who is your neighbor? What does it look like to kind of love your neighbor? And then um, going back to like Hebrews and Acts and talking about um, what are the burdens that being kind has on your life? Like, what is that? How does that directly impact you? And then ending with the question of like, how are you treating the ones that you don't like? You don't agree mm-hmm. with? How are you being or not being kind towards them? And hopefully, um, you'll go into. Well, you'll come out of this episode, and that's what you'll be thinking mm-hmm. about. Um, is well, that's what we'll all be thinking yeah. about. Is how do we treat those who we don't agree with? Um, and that's what we have for this week. So uh, thank you, listeners, for uh, tuning in. Yeah, thank you, guys. I'm glad you stuck with us. for. How, I think this is probably going to be our longest episode yet. Yeah. And it was hard to cut off. Um, so please be sure to stay up to date with The Good Fight by following the Columbia Witness on Instagram, at least until we figure out if we're going to have our own, um, and Facebook to know mm-hmm. when we release content. And if you're enjoying the conversations that Grace Elaine and I have been having. Um, if you think that the content we put out is truly um, teaching you something or could teach somebody you know something especially, um, please reach out to a friend, whether they're Christian, 
an early Christian, an experienced Christian, or non-Christian, somebody who could really use the gospel in their lives, somebody who could definitely benefit from having a relationship with God. Yeah, or just hearing what a relationship with God looks like, a Christian relationship with God looks like. Mm -hmm. So any of those people, please let them know about the good fight. And um, we would love if you could just um, help us reach a a wider audience so that um, people can really experience and, and see what a Christian relationship with God is and how it affects our lives, Grace mm-hmm. Lee and I, and also how it can affect your lives. And finally, we'd like to hear back from you on any of the platforms that we talked about earlier, so Facebook, um, Instagram, but also you can reach out to us via email at, uh, sorry, at witnessthegoodfight at gmail.com. Um, we'd love to hear your thoughts, if you have any questions, if we messed up on all of any of our information. Uh, my knowledge of history in the Apocrypha is not super good, so I'm sure I said something incorrect there. And we'd love to, I mean, like, we're learning as well, we're growing. Um, And so we'd love to hear your commentary if you have any thoughts, concerns, questions, etc. And we look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on The Good Fight, where campus meets Christ.